Good afternoon, Jim. Nice Good afternoon, everyone. Looks like you've had a successful couple of days. Thank you. Well, Jim, I think they're going to dump me. Yeah. In your lap. No problem. Are you ready? Are you ready to Are you ready to carry me now? I am, and vice versa. Okay. Now we're uh, we're just really pleased that you're able to join us. Uh, I know you guys uh, have been busy as of late. It seems like you always are busy. I looked right. at your schedule and, and something is always going on. So why don't you bring us up to date where SCORE is uh, currently and, sure. you know, let's, let's ra basically wrap up 2022 before we get off into 2023. Absolutely. Now, 2022 is a, a return to norm for us. Uh, we had all four of our major races, but more importantly, they were all back at back at our pre-COVID uh, locations. Uh, we started off San Felipe. We've been off-site there for two years. No, no crowds, no, no driver meetings, no press conferences until this year. So we were back down on the ocean at the Malacan you know, with a fantastic crowd. I think it set a new record in the in the city for hotels and camping areas and Airbnbs. They were just gone. Uh, so that was a great way to start the year back in March, April. Um, Baja 500, we were allowed to come back downtown to Ensenada. We were on a freeway system outside of town for a couple of years with no crowds yeah. uh, for the same reasons. Uh, so that was a, another milestone back in to kind of get ourselves back to normal. Back downtown for the Baja 400 in September uh, with uh, increased number of entries throughout all three races. Uh, so that was a good sign as we headed into, of course, the, the Baja 1000, the granddaddy of uh, off-road racing, uh, which we uh, we just had a fantastic week down there right after SEMA, as usual. Uh, we had about 280 entries, which for that race is really good because a lot of teams double up on what we call super teams. Uh, what could be two or three teams on a normal normal race, they they all double or triple up to make sure they can get through the uh, make, get through the event. But it was a good sign. Uh, contingency was totally maxed out, which hasn't been that way for years with booth space. Um, the, uh, the meetings, uh, driver meetings and the award ceremonies were all, I haven't seen those record type of attendee levels since 2017. So we were good to be all back, back into that format. I think it's a telling sign is we, we make a special decanter tequila bottles for, for the entries and VIPs and, we were sold out of 700 plus bottles by Friday morning uh, of race week. So that was another interesting landmark. You know, we, you talk about these numbers. I mean, can you, can you quantify them just a little bit so we can get some kind of, for those of us who have not witnessed what you witnessed and understand what's going on, uh, what kind of, you know, crowd are you talking about when you, when you say the numbers have now back to pre COVID and maybe yeah. exceeded that and as far as what does that kind of mean sure um on a, any given race particularly down in ensenada just contingency days alone are 40 50 000 people um, oh, wow. in terms of yeah. u.s versus um, um the, the local mexicans and people from around the world actually and that includes international press along with the actual particip participating teams but for, from a year-long standpoint depending on how the courses run because we run yeah. obviously not on a designated course. We can run through many big metropolitan areas if it's a peninsula run or loop, but 
uh, uh, Mexican Tourism Bureau says that we basically have about 650,000 people a year that actually see the race on, on site. You know, I think that that uh, definitely brings a spotlight in when people talk about the popularity of racing in Mexico and, and you know, the, the NASCAR version of it, the off-road version of it. it it's, it's extremely strong down there. Those people really uh, gravitate to uh, to speed. I mean, they love to see uh, see things fly through the air and make noise. Yeah, no, we're, we're definitely part of the culture. We're 55 years old in terms of the racing brands um, score itself turns 50, uh, 50 uh, we'll celebrate the 50th anniversary of score as a racing operations in 2023. But yeah, we're totally embedded in the culture uh, from, from the mayors to the governors, to business owners, uh, all the way through Mexico city and back. Since you touched on mayors and governors and, and, you know, this, this is not something that is, um, I sure taken lightly, especially by yourself. How do you go about, you know, putting all this together? Yeah, it's a very unique doing, situation. You know, going, yeah, unique go ahead and explain that to us. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a very unique situation on what what we have to do. We have an an office in Ensenada that basically is mm -hmm. the score race director and president, along with our general manager, um, both Mexican nationals and they they and their crew are do a magnificent job on a daily basis, uh, working with everything from the federal government in Mexico City, all the way through the, the state state government in Baja, which includes the governor, the tourism bureaus. The, all the police departments, the landowners, uh, obviously the mayors of all our towns, it's, it's nonstop. Um, but an interesting point on in our relationship with the government is the Mexico, for the federal government, Mexico City, they recognize and are partners with only three, three motorsports entities. And that includes the F1 race in Mexico City, the NASCAR event, and SCORE International as an as a off-road end of it. Uh, that, that's been locked in since 2019. That's that's incredible. And, you know, with the longevity of your event, there, there's got to be a, a timetable and a consistency there that everybody knows kind of like what's going on, what to expect. And especially now, since we're getting out of the COVID deal, but getting back to a regular way of doing business has got to be kind of like a breath of fresh air uh, for everybody, <laughs> everybody from the fan base to the participants to the, the, the restaurant owners, the hotel owners, uh, tourism bureau. Yes, it's it's on both sides of the border and globally for that matter. But yes, it's uh, I, I can't stress that enough that it's great to have that, see the crowds back. With the fact you've been around for such a long time and you've got people who have dominated your sport uh, and you know, they're synonymous when it comes to running the Baja, what what is what is the secret to winning any any races there in Baja? I mean, from the shortest, which I see you in twenty twenty three, you're gonna have what a two is that a two fifty uh, and a five a four hundred and a five hundred and a thousand? I mean, how many how many races will you run down there? Let's say in twenty twenty three. Yeah, the, the, our schedule is pretty locked into four major races um, okay. in terms of what score puts on, and that basically takes up the entire year. Um, between all the logistics and the planning and uh, get, getting all the, everything that needs to happen for those races to, to occur. Um, yeah, the, those are the four, four primary races. 
So what are your biggest challenges when it comes to being and racing in that part of the country? Um, you know, obviously we think about Baja, we think about, you know, desert and sands and this, that, and the other, but I'm sure that sometime uh, you run into situations where the weather does have, have play havoc. Yeah. Like every, every year, uh, something like that does occur uh, hurricanes or, or whatever is hitting the peninsula on, and depending on when our races occur. And that's just that part. It's also, Sometimes, sometime a year, there's heat, you know, uh, mm -hmm. on our on our summer and, and the fall races it can get quite hot in certain areas of the of the courses. So we have to adapt to all of that for sure. Uh, and safety, some of that involves major major safety issues, especially for the moto the moto uh, classes that we have um, in terms of their hydration levels. We we now have water stops, um, hydration. Uh, stops on the course uh, at certain times a year for, for those guys, for those, for those type of reasons for heat. Uh, but you mentioned a, a, an earlier comment on what's it take to race in Baja, you know, how do you win? Um, and yeah. that's, that is, I think we have the great equalizer. Um, the, you could have a multi multi-million dollar team down to a garage team. And no matter how hard you prep it's Baja. And uh, there is every, every one of our top, top teams no matter if it's moto utvs trophy trucks buggies um, you will you can prep all you want but once the race happens um, it's the terrain and and what what's going to get thrown at you uh, during your your adventure to trying to finish the race um, and we saw that happen to a great extent at the baja 1000 um, a couple of weeks ago just the uh, the attrition rate uh, unexpected uh little items to big items, uh, you know, occurring on top, on the top teams all the way through. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I was listening, looking at your running order and, and I noticed that, you know, that there was a lot of DNS. Uh, and I was also going to ask you about the DNQs did not qualify or something, you know, some people, they miss it on, on the, your requirements and then are not allowed to race. How does, yeah. that, how does that work in your organization? Sure. And it's, there's a lengthy uh, rule book, obviously. But, yeah, there's a number of items we have to look at. Um, the, first of all, the, the driver or rider of record has to start or finish the race. And sometimes that can cause, if that does not occur for whatever reason, that, that, that's an issue. Um, mm -hmm. Penalty-wise, um, we have virtual checkpoints, VCPs. That uh, It's not the old days where the infamous shortcuts were taking place um, by all the legends and, and all the team strategies. Uh, we have a really good handle exactly where everybody is at, at, yeah. at any given minute. Um, and that has to mostly to do with safety, but it does keep, mm -hmm. uh, keep, uh, keep everybody in order on the same track um, for the most part. But as I have, you know, I've, again, I've been privy to at least know a, a a handful of people that have run the Baja from Robbie Gordon to mm -hmm. Michael and Brendan gone, you know, you talked to Riley Herbst, you know, about his experiences with his right. family. And, and, and it, it's surprising that you say what you did a moment ago, they, they all talk about, yeah, we've had the big one where we make a mistake. We wind up upside down in some ditch somewhere because we did something dumb, but he said more times than not, it's a $10, $30, part not the threat three thousand dollar part it's that little one. it's that one that all of a sudden slipped through the crack or you hit it just right and you break it and 
normally they, they are pretty much prepared to repair it, but it'll be, there'll be that one time they can't get a part or don't have it with them and it can just ruin their day. Yeah, Jeff, I think you, that, that says it all right there. That's exactly what normally happens um, to the, even the, the largest and most prepared team. But I think, um, you know, the, uh, the ability to finish is, is also extremely high nowadays. We have a special award called a milestone award um, that's been around score for a long time. And that's given out to every, to every racer um, that basically completes every mile of every race during the season. And it used to be, you know, seven, 10, 14, uh, we're up 40, 48 teams actually accomplishing that now, even though the attrition is what it is, the prep time and pre-running and just their ability to never quit, no matter if they're upside down or burning, uh, it could be anything, but they, they get it done. The chase teams find them. They, they figure it out. Their, their navigators or right-hand seat guys are really good changing tires in 90 seconds, 40 inch tires. It's insane what they're able to do now. It's all part of their planning. And the fact that we're, we're on track to do probably another 40 plus teams earning that award this year uh, is pretty incredible. How much would you say the, the quality of your, your field has improved? And, and again, I, I'm not trying to put you on spot here, but how long have you been associated with SCORE? 10 years at this position, I came out of the, the media world when there was a media world uh, back in the magazine mm -hmm. days. And I was, uh, uh, I had a prior publication that was focused on off-road motorsports, you know, which score was one of our primary, obviously, areas of coverage. And in the major publishing days um, with Peterson and, and the other buyouts after that, we were always down working with, uh, working with score. In fact, Sal Fish, who ran score for, 38 years as an ex-Peterson um, magazine guy, too. Well, with that being said, you'll still be able to give me what I'm looking for. In your opinion, in your years around the sport, how much has the sport improved in quality of the field? Uh, well, that, that whether it's drivers or technology, technology is, is big. It's increased dramatically just in the last few years with the advent of the all-wheel drive trophy truck, um, not just the class are still integrated into trophy trucks, but in the last couple of years, their, their ability to finish races, first of all, and now basically mm -hmm. sweeping those top positions for the most part um, for, for each race uh, is added from a technology standpoint, the durability part is there. If they're breaking, it's not because of those systems right now. Um, it's the other $3 parts that you were talking about earlier. So that's a that's a big evolution, but but same with the, you know, onboard telemetry for the for everything that's going on with the vehicles, the ability for for all of that uh, to be watched by the teams. They know exactly what's going on. The uh, the tracking systems and communications and medical medical uh, uh, advances that we have, so we know what's going on with all the teams at all times, has been dramatically increased in just the last you know six, seven, eight years. Um, so we're along all those paths, safety being one of the foremost, you know, areas that never goes away, uh, along with the technology, um, you know, there used to be a 600 horsepower motor, then it became a 900 horsepower usable horsepower for off-road racing. Now we're up into the 1200 horsepower range with the all-wheel drives because uh, they can handle that. Um, so it's that, that evolution will continue. 
and um, we'll, we'll see where it goes. We actually have an electric class we've had for quite a while. Um, and sometimes it's around and most of the time it's not. We, we've had a lot of uh, uh, technology-based companies come down and try to see what, you know, what they have to do to, uh, to beat Baja or at least finish it. You know, I think that's the first goal. Um, so we have, we have a lot going on. We have about 30 operational classes um, on the books, about 20-something running at every race. I know I was watching some of the videos that are available on your uh, your face you know, on your website, and um, I saw a couple of four-wheelers take some hard licks out there, and it's kind of like, you know, I think if I was going to challenge Baja, it sure wouldn't be on one of them four wheelers. <laughs> no, that's that right that's a big class, big class. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, there's a lot of you know tough hombres that yeah, they want to they they want to have the they want to do it the hard way. Let's put it that way. You I mean they want to take that kind of challenge? Jeff, you just said it. Uh, amazing thing for this race of all races, Peninsula Run. Mm -hmm. I mean uh, Baja 1000. There's an Ironman class which is in the Moto classes. Um, so it's one rider, not two or three, like all of the, most of the teams do for a Baja 1000. We had 28 entries on that, which was, I think, a record level for, for that particular class. And it's the Baja 1000. And they had a halfway decent finishing rate, too. In fact, the guy leading with points uh, got off during pre-running and broke and damaged one of his ribs. And he was, was trying to figure out the doc told him to stay home. He ended up feeling okay, and he ended up riding. <laughs> He ended up coming down and started the race and he actually got third uh, in, in that class. So there's, a, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. Well, make sure you give me that guy's name because if I ever run across him in a dark alley, I'm going to make sure I run from him. <laughs> yeah. He's, a, he's one of our back East guys. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing is I know that you guys probably have statistics and everything on an average, what do you have to maintain? Let's to see, let's say that the, to win one of your upper classes, but what kind of speed range do you have to kind of maintain for a thousand miles to be able to win? Yeah, that's what every, again, we, as you know, we, every race is different in terms of the terrain, mm -hmm. weather, and how many guys pre-ran it, even the pre-running it, when guys pre-run and see how the course is, what's going on by race day, it's totally different. So it's a whole another dynamic, but the average speed that was scheduled was around 55 miles an hour. 58 miles an hour and they were getting slower speeds than that this year than what they yeah. the teams are all planning for. Now, the one thing also in watching some of the videos that came to my mind, um, explain how it works as far as how you get to go out. I mean, as far as, you know, who goes out first, I mean, do the motorcycles and four wheelers lead out or in, and then how do you do as far as trophy trucks and everybody you know, buggies? How do you how does that work as far as staging? Because again, sure. if you if you got to run over a terrain that's already been plowed by somebody else, it can be a little a little challenging. Yeah. Yes. And there's it is a science. Um, we started uh, staging the bikes, the motos classes much earlier than in the old days where they ran with the pack. Um, Baja One Thousand, for instance, the moto classes went off at two thirty a.m. And the truck classes went off at 10 a.m. So the, the, the moto includes obviously all the, the pros and the sportsmen and the Ironman uh, plus the quad classes, which have the same pro sportsman and Ironman designation. So they go off first. We have a whole different safety element with them. There's a helicopter that runs because they're always starting at night. 
uh, for weather, for heat purposes too, it helps. Mm -hmm. um, we have, we've instituted a helicopter that sweeps the course in front of them and a chase UTV that sweeps behind those guys. So in case anybody goes down, we know what's going on or they're in trouble. And uh, to uh, warn anybody if, if there's any booby traps or other instances of vehicles on the course or whatever at that time of the morning. So that's, that's what goes down in the, the early, early morning hours at each race. Um, the trucks start off, the four-wheel vehicles, I should say, start off around, like I said, anywhere from 9 to 10 o'clock in the morning uh, with the opening ceremonies and all that happening. But it's all based upon speed. Uh, the trophy trucks start with the fastest and then group behind them. So we don't have teams run, you know, entire classes that have to run through entire brackets of other cars. Um, but that does change a lot. Once certain classes get fast, we have to, we have to adjust their starting positions, but that's a constant, um, constant move. The UTVs are a perfect example of that. When they first started, they were, they were placed accordingly, but they've become so fast. Uh, the pro levels and the factory wars are actually in our UTV class. Uh, they're not in the, the truck and bike classes anymore, but uh, that's a that's a new revelation. But they're they're getting so fast that we've had to move them up a number of uh, classes uh, to to match their speed. So you can be elevated into another class just because of your speed, not so much of your size or no, no, the, the or class, anything like that. When I'm talking about elevating or moving, it's the entire class. It's not the driver. Okay. If you're racing a UTV and you're in the pro UTV class, but you, you ran through the class sevens and, and whatever is ahead of you, that on a consistent basis, then we end up moving that entire class ahead of the other class. Okay, I follow you now. Uh, when, you, when you get where you are today, what is the next step? I mean, what's the next big vision for SCORE what are, what are they thinking that we need to go try next? Yeah, I think there's a lot that's there's a lot of bullet points underneath that. Uh, what do we try next? Um, but uh, obviously the the evolution of safety is a priority. In terms of the communications, um, live streaming is our big our big play for what that we've been involved with for a couple years now. But finally, technology has caught up to us. With, uh, with the Starlink systems, um, which we, we started employing mid-year this year. And uh, by the Baja 1000, we, uh, we had enough units up and operating along with a brand new control room back in the El Cajon race operations. Um, that'll, that will continue to, um, to develop and flourish for 2023. But moving, looking at other racing opportunities, whether they're, you know, they could be anywhere. Um, I, and I don't want to get into specifics there right now, but um, moving, adding another race, maybe two um, would be a really full year for us. So we have, we have to uh, see what we're talking about at that point. But those things are always in, in discussion and they're always evolving. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But with what you're saying, as far as car count, it shows the strength of the series and those two that are committed to run the series. Correct. Um, yeah, we, we have a pretty steady number at, at the races um, for, for 2022 um, after we got through the COVID years. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's not like we have 
little races and then one big giant Baja 1000 race. They're all pretty consistent um, with, uh, with the mileage. I mean, with the, with the entry count anywhere from anywhere from 260 to 380, 400, depending on the race in the year. But that's our window of actual uh, racing racers at a particular score race. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Jim. I'm going to get Francis talked into allow me to get a off-road truck, and he's going to ride uh, a navigator, and I'm going to do the driving, and we're coming to the Baja. You got no, it. We're doing the other way around. <laughs> we'll, we'll make, what do you know we'll, about driving? You, you, you're, you're from France. Y'all, you guys drive on the wrong side of the right, wrong side. No, no, that's that's the British. That's the British. <laughs> <Not us. laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Jim. Thank you so much for being with us today. Registering on ePartrade is easy. To start, click on the Join for Free button on the homepage. First, search your company to see if it's already in our database. If you see your company on the list, click on it to select it. Then, choose Claim Company if you are one of the decision makers, an owner, marketing person, or main company contact. Or choose Join Company if you are an employee, and press Continue. If you couldn't find your company in our database, select Register a New Company. On the following page, fill out your name, email, phone number, job title, and choose a secure password. If you chose Register a New Company, you'll need to choose your business type. Select Supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose Racing Business if you're looking to source new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose Race Team if you own or are a member of a professional race team. Then, enter your company name. Please provide a website, Facebook page, or LinkedIn if you have one, and choose to either claim or join the company. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Finally, click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. An email will be sent to your inbox. Please confirm your email address and you will be approved shortly. Welcome to ePartrade.